The title of this morning's message is Praying in the Name. This morning I want to continue to talk to you about prayer from the book of James. The book of James actually has a lot to say about prayer, but we are going to look specifically at praying in the name of the Lord and praying the prayer of faith. So we're going to begin again in chapter 5 with verse 13, and I've added in some of the definitions that we've covered previously. So it starts with verse 13, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray and keep on praying. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms and keep on singing. It's all about communication with God. Verse 14, is any sick, any weak, tired, feeble, diseased, worn out? (laughs) Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The praying and the anointing can be both in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall save, shall sozo the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And even if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. In other words, his guilt is dismissed and sent away. So what does it mean to pray in the name of the Lord? And what exactly is the prayer of faith? Isn't all prayer based on faith? (laughs) I believe that having a better understanding of these things can help us to have more confidence in our ability to pray effectively. So we first need to establish who James believes is the Lord. (laughs) Remember, James is writing to Jews, saved Jews and unsaved Jews. So when James uses the word Lord, what would his Jewish audience think? Would they think Jesus or would they think Yahweh? So in chapter 1, verse 1 of James, James reveals who he has come to believe is the Lord, the Master. I have it for you in the Passion Translation. Greetings, my name is Jacob. Yep, that's his real name. (laughs) And I'm a love slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all the 12 tribes of Israel who have been sown as seeds among the nations. So James reveals his own new identity as a bondservant or a love slave of both God the Father and Jesus as Lord and Messiah. James clearly calls Jesus Lord. He is the master. And he is also his very own owner. That's what master means. (laughs) And he's also the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, and his anointing. So as a bondservant, James has voluntarily become the property and responsibility of Jesus. That always sounds kind of funny to our ear that I'm somebody's property. (laughs) But this is a good thing. (laughs) Because we belong to someone. (laughs) Either we have a Lord who is good or we have a master who is not. So it is good that the Lord... Jesus Christ owns us. And he owns us the same way I own my husband. My husband is not held against his will. (laughs) He volunteered for this position. (laughs) In fact, it was his idea. (laughs) So it is with us and the Lord Jesus Christ. He owns us. We belong to him. And as our master, he has taken on the responsibility to take care of everything in our life, all of our life, all through eternity, because he wants to. 
because he wants to, because of his great love. So as a bondservant, James's desire is to please his master. It's very much like husband and wife. We don't try to upset the other person in the relationship. <laughs> we want to work together and have life together. Same thing with when we think of Jesus as Lord and master. So many Christians get the idea of if he's the master, then I'm this lowly servant and I have to crawl into his presence. All of the wrong pictures that we get from the word slave. It's not that way. <laughs> when Jesus took ownership of us, he sits us at his own table. It is like Mephibosheth. I sit you at the king's table. You are part of the family. We are part of covenant. That's the kind of relationship that he's talking about. Now, this love relationship is also a business relationship. It's both. As Jesus, as owner and operator of the business, <laughs> wants everyone in the whole world to be sozoed. Pray the prayer of faith and God will sozo the sick. Sozo, saved, healed, delivered, protected, made whole, provided for, blessed. All the good stuff. Salvation as the whole package. God wants the whole world to be sozoed. So we too, as bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ, want to do what pleases our master, our Jesus. So we delight to do his will, even as Jesus, as a servant to his father, delighted to do his will. In Hebrews 7.10, Jesus said this, Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. So according to Jesus, the book of the Old Testament was written with himself in mind, and it revealed what the will of the Father would be for him to fulfill. And that will is evident in all of chapter 53 of Isaiah, but we're just going to read two verses, verses 10 and 11. Yet it pleased the Lord, Yahweh, to bruise him, speaking of Jesus, the suffering servant. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of Yahweh shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. The suffering servant will look at what he did and be satisfied and happy that it was done. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus was a servant. So servant is not a bad title. <laughs> Jesus was not less than God, but Jesus had a role and a task to perform. And so he had to submit to that will, which was also his own. Jesus was a servant as well as a son, and he came to bring salvation and the kingdom of God to all of mankind, but not by himself. I like that part. <laughs> God didn't say, here you go, son. See you when you get back. Nope. <laughs> the father and the son were partners in this plan of salvation. And Jesus was always checking in with the father through prayer. Both the constant, continuous conversation kind of prayer and the sitting alone by yourself kind of prayer. Jesus was always hearing the voice of his father so that he could know the father's will and could cooperate with the father's will. Technically, Jesus didn't do any of the miracles that he performed. At least not by himself. Jesus was completely human, as well as being divine. 
but he didn't do any of the miracles through his own ability, either human or divine. Philippians tells us that, that he left all of his royal prerogatives in heaven. He came to be just like us, a human being. So instead of having to try to do it by himself, which is what we fall into, we as believers fall into trying to do the will of God, the work of God, <laughs> all by yourself, <laughs> self-effort. And it doesn't work. Instead, Jesus had a partner, and his partner had all the power, his father. And together they showed what kind of a kingdom a righteous human being and a powerful, loving God combined could bring forth on this earth through the Holy Spirit. And we can see this in John chapter 14, beginning with verse 6. Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know the Father too. From now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. And Philip spoke up, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be all that we need. Jesus replied, Philip! <laughs> Philip! <laughs> have I been with you all this time and you still don't know who I am? How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father. For he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me. Or at least believe because of the mighty miracles that I have done. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, would do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. Now, I've highlighted the words, the person who follows me in faith. I like this sentence in this version because, to me, it explains what it means to follow after Jesus. It means to do things the way he did things. And he did everything by faith, by faith in the word of his Father, knowing that the Father couldn't lie and that he and the Father were one. Sound familiar? <laughs> one in spirit and one in purpose. And together they came to put mankind and the whole world right again. Jesus came to demonstrate and reveal who the Father really is and what he really wanted. He didn't want all those animal sacrifices. God wanted a world full of born-again humans who know that they are the express image of their Father and the brightness of His glory all within their spirit through the Lord Jesus. And Jesus wants them to know by experience the love of their Father and the love of their big brother, Jesus, through the indwelling Holy Spirit. So together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit came to make us like them so that we could have the same kind of relationship with them that they enjoyed. They wanted us to be able to bring forth the power and love of God and his kingdom through faith on this earth. Jesus had to operate the same way we do. He didn't perform the miracle. He didn't have this great power surge up, I'm going to heal now. No, <laughs> he was listening to the Father. He was a human being filled with the Holy Spirit. He was God in his nature, yes, but he left all the royal prerogatives. He had to walk just like us. He's the prototype. We do it the way he did it. 
Continuing in verse 13, Jesus says, For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask anything in my name and I will do it for you. So to ask in his name is to ask in accordance with his nature, his purpose, and his promises. His nature is divine. His nature is agape love. And his purpose is to reveal and glorify the Father and his love, while simultaneously destroying all the works of the enemy. And his promises are our divine assurances that we are all that he says we are, and we have all that he says we have. Also, to ask in his name or to pray in his name is to understand that we are now co-heirs with Christ Jesus himself. God needs us <laughs> to understand our family identity. We are not beggars who stand outside God's house trying to persuade God to be kind to us. So many believers come to Jesus begging and pleading as if they are beggars outside of the house. They are sons of God who are in bed with their father and all they got to do is nudge him. <laughs> I need some water, Dad. <laughs> we are God's family and God wants us to join him in the family sozo business. We see this in Romans 8, verses 15 through 17, and I have it for you in the Passion Translation. And you did not receive a spirit of religious duty. Thank you, Jesus. Leading you back into fear of never being good enough. I really love how they brought that out. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, Abba, Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify Hello, we qualify to share all of his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. <laughs> so when we pray over someone or a situation, we pray from our place of identity as heirs of the kingdom. Everything for life and godliness is really true. <laughs> He's already provided it. But we have to understand we have been qualified. Christians believe that if they have fallen short, they are suddenly disqualified from coming to God. They're disqualified from his favor. They're disqualified from his love and acceptance. They're disqualified. That was old covenant. We have an everlasting righteousness. We never become unqualified to be his kid, <laughs> to be in the family business. So God wants us to realize that we are adult sons of God and that we are simply to cooperate with God and His will by taking hold by faith of what God has already said yes to. He's already said yes to everything we need for life and godliness. And healing is one of those things that God has already said yes to. God wants the whole world to be sozoed, saved, healed, delivered, protected, provided for, and made whole. So we are simply partners in God's sozo business. God and Sons, Inc. 
<laughs> That's us. <laughs> well, I was thinking about how to best understand what it means for us to pray in the name of the Lord. I thought about referring to praying in the name of the Lord as being like having God's power of attorney. So I looked up this definition online. I wanted an easy definition of what it means to have power of attorney. And this is what it says. Power of attorney, a POA, is a person called a principal, chooses someone whom they trust, called the agent, to handle their affairs and make decisions if they are not in a position to do so themselves. This can only legally be done if the principal person has the requisite mental capacity to grant this power to another person. You have to be a sound mind. Now, the whole point of having this power of attorney is to legally do business, either personal or professional, on behalf of another who is either unable to be present, and sometimes that's just the case. They can't find the documents. They send somebody who has power of attorney to represent them. It also is for people who cannot do business for themselves. They're incapacitated. So the person who has the power of attorney actually uses the name of the principal person. They actually sign that other person's name first. And then they sign their own name and the title of POA. But they have to use the name of the person who the transaction is done on their behalf. An agent with this power is only allowed to act in a way that is in their principal person's best interest and only according to their will and wishes. So this is very much like praying in the name of the Lord. We have all the legal rights and responsibilities to represent the Lord Jesus Christ and to declare his will and wishes and promises in our situations and lives in the absence of his physical body. He isn't physically present to do that, so he sends us. <laughs> Now, of course, he isn't actually absent. He's just invisible. I really like that. We have an invisible partner. He's with us all the time. <laughs> Other people just can't see him. So we speak on his behalf. He speaks to us and we say what he says. So we are his personal physical representatives in the earth. We are his POA agents who have the right to legally do kingdom business, sozo business in his name. In fact, we are only allowed to do his will, wishes, and promises in his name. <laughs> Anything else is in our own name. <laughs> as POA agents, we are to act as if we are him. We are supposed to act as if we are him. This is how God designed us to bring forth the kingdom, to act as if we are him in his physical absence because we are actually one with him. We are his representation to the world. And God's will for mankind hasn't changed. God still desires for his sons to bring forth the same destruction to the works of the enemy that Jesus demonstrated when he was physically here. We have the same partner. <laughs> so when we pray over someone as God's physical representatives, we need to remember that we have been completely equipped with God's presence, power, and authority. So we can declare, decree, and believe that God is sozoing them <laughs> and that he will indeed raise them up. God says that when we pray the prayer of faith, he will sozo people. So 
What does it mean? What is this prayer of faith? Well, it isn't begging and pleading. <laughs> James 5.15 says, The prayer of faith shall save or sozo the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. The Lord does the raising up. So what exactly is the prayer of faith? Technically, it would simply be a prayer that originates from a place of faith, a place where our hearts are fully persuaded of God's will or God's truth. Years ago, in my little holiness church, my church had no idea about how to use faith. They had no idea about understanding who they were and what belonged to them. They always had a beggar mentality. They always acted as if they had to persuade God to be good to them. They didn't understand that you could have faith on purpose. <laughs> you could believe God for stuff on purpose. What God did for me way back then, because my church was just lovely people, but they had a sovereignty kind of mentality. Whatever happens is God's will. So if you don't like it, too bad. <laughs> and I was like, God, I got questions. <laughs> this does not sound right. And God led me to Kenneth Copeland Ministries, the word of faith. And what I found out is you had to know what was in your contract. <laughs> what did God give you when you got saved? You see, my little holiness church told me I was a forgiven sinner. Well, forgiven sinners don't rule and reign. They're not victorious. They're always begging and pleading, hoping God will move on their behalf. It doesn't work. <laughs> you have to know what belongs to you. You have to know the answer is yes. And you have to believe that he actually releases it, and it shows up. <laughs> you have to have faith. According to the Strong's Concordance, the word faith means persuasion, assurance, belief, believing, faith, and fidelity. In other words, this is the persuasion that comes from God. It's more than just believing something is true in your head. It's what God does in our heart. He persuades us of his truth. According to the Helps Word Study devotional lexicon, the word faith says this, faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. Unfortunately, I thought I had to make faith. <laughs> what I didn't understand was that the process was correct. Get into the word. Find out what the contract says. What did God give me? Who am I? What are my rights and authority? And then have God persuade your heart of those things. The lexicon devotional goes on and it says this. In short, faith for the believer is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief or human confidence, yet involving it. The Lord continuously births faith in a yielded believer so that they can know what he prefers. In other words, the persuasion of his will, and I put, and his truth. Because that's what he's always doing. He's persuading us of the truth. You see, we can know up here, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but you make a mistake, <laughs> and your conscience will beat your brains out with condemnation. That's why we have to know in our heart that God and that we are still good when we fall short of his perfection. The word faith in secular antiquity referred to a guarantee or a warranty. In scripture, faith is God's warranty, certifying that the revelation he inbirthed 
will come to pass his way. This is very much like God adding his oath to his promise. It's kind of the same thing, but he wants it to really get it. And for believers, when we hear God speak to us personally, that does it. When that light goes on, no one can take that away from you. Not even your circumstances. But sometimes we need to learn the same truth again. We need to hear God's promise to us again for ourselves. So he wants our hearts to be so persuaded of his truth that we can rest with him in the bottom of a boat in the middle of a storm because we know in whom we have believed and he cannot lie. Scripture tells us how God persuades the human heart and we see this in Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We know from the Strong's Concordance that the word faith means persuasion of the heart. So let's add that back in to the scripture. So then persuasion of the heart cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word by means, according to the Strong's, a primary preposition denoting the origin, the point whence motion or action proceeds from. Cometh from. <laughs> it originates by hearing. So let's let, add that into the scripture. So then it says, so then persuasion of the heart originates from hearing and hearing by or through the spoken word of Christ. Now, most translations will say the word of God. And you can't tell what kind of a word it is. It's a rhema to hear the spoken word. And most of the early manuscripts have Christ. And I do believe that is the right translation because of where we find this scripture. <laughs> this scripture is in the middle of a passage on righteousness by faith. Why was righteousness by faith so important? Because if you were right with God, you lived in the blessing. But the traditional Jews didn't live under the constant blessing of God because they were bound by a covenant to experience the curse if they walked in disobedience. So Paul tells us that many of the Jews sought to be right with God through the works of the law instead of by faith. They actually refused. <laughs> they actually refused to be saved by faith, to be made righteous by faith. They wanted to be made righteous by their works. Anyway, this whole passage in Romans 10 is about the righteousness by faith. It begins in verse 1. I have it for you in the AFV version. Brethren, the desire of my heart and the supplication to God for Israel is for salvation. For I testify of them that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They still have all the old covenant understandings. For they, being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Christians still do this. They're trying to make themselves right by being good instead of just submitting to the gift of righteousness. Verse 4, For Christ is the end of works of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses wrote concerning the righteousness that comes from the law. The man who has practiced those things shall live by them. In other words, if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. That's how you live out the Old Covenant. And then skipping down to verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. 
This is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. They were proclaiming righteousness by faith. It's the word of faith righteousness that changes everything. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be sozoed, saved, healed, delivered, protected, provided for, made whole. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, not Yahweh, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth one confesses unto salvation. Because the scripture says, everyone who believes in him shall not be ashamed. And that really could translate better into disappointed. Verse 12, for there is no difference between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord over all is rich toward all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it is specifically referring to hearing about the finished works of Jesus and the amazing grace of our Heavenly Father that causes our hearts to be persuaded to believe that we have been sozoed, that we have by his stripes already been healed, and that our Father has already granted us all things for life and godliness through his great and precious promises. They really are all yes and amen. It is in hearing the truth of Jesus <laughs> that the Holy Spirit bears witness in our heart and that persuades our heart to believe and receive. And hearing the Lord speak directly to us, his truth by the Holy Spirit regarding whatever we're seeking persuades our heart. It is the voice of God and the work of God to persuade our heart so that we have that peace. I know that I know. <laughs> I know it in my knower. Persuading our heart is the work of God. So as we seek him and his truth through the written word of God, through listening to messages, through worship, he speaks. He speaks to us in our thoughts. He speaks to us in our unction, that internal nudging and prompting, <laughs> that unexplained knowing in our knower. He speaks to us by repeating himself over and over again until we recognize that he's speaking. <laughs> he loves to confirm his word with yet another word. <laughs> he constantly leads us by the Holy Spirit. And he is always in the process of persuading our hearts to trust him more and more. We have all the faith we need as a gift of God's grace. Faith cometh, the word cometh isn't there. Faith is activated by hearing his voice. So we have all the faith we need, but the Lord God activates what he's already given us. He's the one that gave us the gift of faith. Every man has the measure of faith. It is about Jesus and his finished work that causes that faith to be activated so that we can take hold of what he's already given. So the prayer of faith is a prayer that originates in the heart, that is fully persuaded that our Father and our Jesus cannot lie, and that they said that they have already provided us with everything we need for life and godliness through the great and precious promises. They have made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which means we have been sozoed, saved, healed, delivered, protected, provided for, made whole, and completely blessed. We live in the blessing. <laughs> the blessing doesn't come and go. It's part of our salvation package. 
So when we pray in the name of the Lord, from a heart fully persuaded of our righteousness and of our Father and our Jesus' faithfulness, we can expect Jesus to sozo the people we pray for. (laughs) Why? Because he said it. Why does he answer our prayer? Because he said he would. Why does he sozo people? Because he said he would. Why do we lay hands on the sick? Because he said he would heal them. (laughs) He does the work, and we can trust him to do the work. Now, Jesus doesn't always sozo people the same way. (laughs) And I say this because God knows the best way for us as individuals to walk out our faith in him specifically for our healing. And it can be quite different from how other people walk out their faith regarding their healing. I know of three different ladies. I've seen them on television and whatnot. And they all had breast cancer. They were all Christians, but they each walked out their walk of faith for healing differently. The first lady was a prominent Christian minister who boldly taught healing was God's will and that a believer could take hold of their healing by faith in the blood of Jesus alone, period. The second lady was a sister-in-law to a world-famous charismatic minister who also taught that healing was in the atonement. People get very upset about that. (laughs) And the third lady, I believe she was just a Christian homemaker, but each of them had their own walk of faith into healing. When the first lady went to God and asked how they were going to handle the situation, God told her that he wanted her to walk out her faith simply by standing on the word and believing. No medical intervention. I want you to stand and believe. She was to continue to declare the truth that healing by faith in the blood of Jesus was really all she needed to apprehend her healing. So she did exactly what God told her to do. She kept believing and declaring and standing on God's word, and her breast tissue continued to get worse and worse and harder and harder. And she confessed that she began to get fearful. Oh, God, this doesn't seem to be working. (laughs) But as God spoke to her through the Spirit and through the word and persuaded her heart to continue to believe, her heart was persuaded that she was already truly healed. It took about six months But she was completely restored to normal by standing on the word and believing that God had already provided her sozoed salvation, her healing. The second lady, she went to God too. How are we going to handle this situation, Lord? (laughs) And God told her that she was to have surgery to remove the cancer and then to have reconstruction surgery, but no chemotherapy. So she did exactly what God told her to do and she also was restored to complete health. The third lady went to see her Christian doctor, who challenged her to do her own research into her particular kind of cancer. So she actually went to teaching universities, and this was years and years and years ago, and studied what causes cancer and how it can be cured. And as she was doing that, she continued to reach out to God because she was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. God told her to put all the information she learned into a dietary protocol for herself, using a combination of protocols that had been successfully used on even late-stage cancers, which is what she had. They sent her home with no help. They said, there's nothing we can do for you but God. Now, I don't remember how long it took, but she too was restored completely back to health. 
And then she wrote a book <laughs> about her journey. <laughs> and of course, she got health and prosperity. <laughs> it's got good or what? T turns all things for good. <laughs> all three ladies had breast cancer, and all three ladies went to God for their healing. But all three ladies had a unique walk of faith in the midst of their sickness. But the truth is, all three ladies received healing from God. Healing is always from God. And it's always God's will for us to be healed, to be sozoed. But how God sozos them can be different from one person to the next. Our responsibility is to pray the prayer of faith from a fully persuaded heart in the name and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as if we were him, <laughs> knowing that we have all the power and authority of Christ himself on the inside of us. We do nothing by ourselves. And then we get to watch how God raises them up. What I hope you leave with today is more confidence in your identity in Christ, in your ability to act as his personal representative on the earth. Years ago, when God would tell me to go pray for somebody, I would hesitate. But God, I don't know if you want them well. You, maybe you want them sick. I heard a lot of that. God does not want anybody sick. It's under the curse. It doesn't belong to us. And he says we have power and authority to make it go away. <laughs> he does the work. We're just his partner. Part of our identity is that we are bond servants of love and of a good, good master our Lord Jesus Christ. He has fully equipped us with everything we need to be his personal representatives on the earth and to do business in his name. We are Jesus's POA agents. We are authorized to act just like him so we can get the same results just like him. <laughs> Part of our identity is also that we are dearly loved sons of God who are invited to participate in the family sozo business. <laughs> this family business operates as a partnership. Both the son and the father, through the Holy Spirit, constantly communicate with us so that we can cooperate with them by faith as they supply all the power and authority to overcome the works of the enemy. Our father and our Jesus have also included us in their family, their loving family relationship because they want us to experience the same kind of friendship and love that they experience as father and son. And if we find ourselves struggling with unbelief because of the natural realm, our Father and our Jesus are able to reveal the truth of our new identity to us again. He always needs to remind us who we really are. The Word will tell you you are all kinds of things you are not. Your own conscience can tell you that you are condemned. Your own conscience can tell you that you never measure up. All of that is lies. We need to operate from the truth of who we really are and who he has made us to be. And sometimes he just needs to remind us that we really are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> and he is able to persuade our hearts again and again and again that we really can do all things through Christ because he really does strengthen us. The gift of righteousness by faith is the most marvelous crazy and absurd thing in all the world. <laughs> Righteousness by faith as a gift, as a grace. It is crazy that God would simply choose to give mankind right standing with himself. 
as a gift and demonstration of His love. And for many believers, it is just too astounding to believe. Surely He must demand works of righteousness too, but no. He wants us to believe in His amazing grace that has been brought to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by believing that, we can walk in and walk out in our plan of salvation. We too can be sozoed, saved, healed, delivered, protected, provided for, blessed, and dearly loved. And we can have it all because he wants us to have it all. Amen? Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word, that everything you do is by grace. All you ask of us is that we believe it, that we believe that you are a God who cannot lie, that if we do what you say, you do what you said you would do. (laughs) We lay hands on the sick and you sozo them. Father God, we thank you that you have given us the opportunity to be part of the God and Son's business, to walk in all the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and to demonstrate your love and your goodness and your provision. Father God, we thank you that we get to be the aroma of Christ to this world. We get to be Christ's perfume. Father God, I thank you that you are always willing to persuade our hearts again. It's so easy for us to believe in one moment and then something happened and we find ourselves shaken. Do I still believe that? Am I really sure that you said this? But Lord, you are able to persuade our hearts again and again and again. And in fact, you delight to do so. We thank you, Father God, for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling presence of God the Father and God the Son. We thank you, Father God, that we are part of your family. And when we do everything together, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.